Hey, thanks for tuning into the Beer Muddy Things podcast, your place for education and happenings in the craft food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Kyle Reiner, and here I interview folks around the world that are truly daring muddy things in the industry. My goal is to entertain, educate, and inspire. And if I'm doing those things, please, please give a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a comment. This goes a long way in helping others find the show. And, you know, hey, I appreciate it. So with that, let's get into it. Welcome into the Beer Mighty Things podcast. That's what you listen to while you brew. That's what's in your ears as you drink beers. Today, we got a fun one. I got Meredith Rebar. She is the owner of Home Brewed Events and the sales manager and educator at Deer Creek Malt House. So, uh, Meredith, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I, and well, we finally, finally coordinated a time that worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took uh, two months, I think. <laughs> Whoops. You're busy. So, let's talk about that. So, you know, in doing research, I'm like, Okay. Uh, she's a certified Cicerone. Um, she brewed, you know, professionally, uh, you've, you've helped open up Trogues' event space and, you know, Hershey, you've worked at Origlio, you've worked at Appalachian Brewing. Uh, you've written articles for many prominent brewery magazines. Um, you're a part of Philly beer week and Philly loves beer. You are a founding member of Philly's chapter of pink boots. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, French you've won, uh, <laughs> You know, you're a, you're an award-winning home brewer. Um, what don't you do? Uh, sleep, I think. Okay, sometimes. well, that makes sense. <laughs> Sleep's so important, though. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's. I'm I'm basically very much found my calling in the beer world, and I just did everything possible to really learn as much as I could and do as many different things in the beer world as I can to find out what my favorite things are. <laughs> And you, you've taken it from all angles, like from, again, from home brewer. So, you know, amateur, and yeah. then you go to professional, um, Origlio, you are doing wholesale and distribution. So you're seeing it from a different end. So, you know, you've gone from, from making it to selling it, you know, but also from distributing it and that sort of thing. So, um, you, you've kind of seen it from all angles. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Um, you know, it's like, it was one of those things. So I went to Penn state, um, which I had a great time there. It's a, it's a party school, um, for sure. Um, good beers, you know, good food, good cocktails. Uh, but you know, typical, what you would expect for college bars. I was going to say, um, what kind of beers are you drinking at Penn State? Yeah. So, I mean, there were a lot of lion's head and a lot of yingling. Hell yeah. However, I also found a bar that was, uh, similar to Monk's. So, um, it was really, really cool. And there's also a brewery uh, in in the small town of Happy Valley. Uh, Happy so Valley Brewing called, Company, right? Uh, Otto's Brewing Company. Oh, Otto's Pub. Yeah, yeah. yeah Otto's is a, is the OG, and then Happy Valley opened up a while ago yeah. um, as well. But yeah, Otto's was the original. Um, so I, I really just fell in love with beer and wanted to realize how and why beer tasted the way it, it did, why it was that color, nice. um, why you know what made it, you know, so alcoholic, what made it kind yeah. of bitter, you know, all of these things. So just spend a lot of time researching. Yeah. Yeah. Quality <laughs> okay, control, <drinking>. right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, you know, why it does what? So you yeah. would go, you'd be, would you be, uh, were you drinking at Otto's, um, under 21? Um, no, actually I, I, I behave myself. That was for the, the frat parties was yeah, yeah, yeah. underage drinking. Um, but yeah, when I turned 21, I just kind of went on this like beer adventure uh, on my own and I kind of got my friends excited about it. And I realized that like one of my favorite things to do is drinking a beer and talking about it. So like, what do you taste? What do you smell? What yeah. beer is it? Where's it from? What brewery is this? Why, why is it the way that it is? You know, um, and that really <laughs> it will come back <laughs> around yeah. when we talk about homebrew events. But um, I also met a lot of really cool people. Um, I was also... So I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, I, in college, started my first business um, booking bands, okay. um, punk, ska, rockabilly, rock and roll, um, all sorts of hardcore, uh, yeah, everything that you can imagine um, in a bar called The Brewery, which is funny. Um, 
<laughs> funny enough, they did not have very good beers. It was a dive bar. Um, but they were not a brewery. Bar. The brewery they was were, not a brewery. The brewery was called the brewery, but not a brewery at all. <laughs> very misleading. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I fell in love with music and beer and that those two industries really just kind of went so well hand in hand together. Um, funny enough, that's actually how I met Jeremy, formerly of Mishamney Creek. Um, I met him through music. Uh, right. He owned a record ooh, label. I got to do math 16 or 17 years ago, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, oh man. Oh yeah. I um, yeah. think back to when yeah, I graduated. So. Yeah, it's 15 years. <laughs> wow. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's kind of funny that now he's still a very good friend of mine. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how music and beer kind of those industries very much mirror each other and there's a lot of similarities. Um, but yeah, I really, I started homebrewing because again, in the name of research, I wanted to know why things (laughs) tasted and smelled the way that they did. Um, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, you get to be creative, you get to like, experiment it's a lot of science um you know it's a lot of i i took i in college i thought i wanted to be a vet <laughs> um <laughs> okay it didn't last very long but i did two semesters of biology and like chemistry so i have that background which it has helped me in the brewing world um but i very much realized that i switched to um business and marketing and communications and uh film <laughs> so I, I, uh, 180. <laughs> You're a doctor of beer versus for pets. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I like it. Very cool. Um, but very, at first, a lot of it was very much self-taught. Um, a lot of reading, a lot of research, a lot of drinking, <laughs> a lot of yeah. brewing, um, talking to people, getting to know people, asking questions. And then it kind of grew from there. Um, you know, again, tying back to music and beer, um, I started I approached the the guy who was doing booking at Appalachian Brewing Company um, at the Abbey Bar, uh, uh, Mike Van Jura. He has since passed away and he was one of my very good friends. But um, I got to like do shows and events at a brewery <laughs> in Harrisburg when I moved to Harrisburg. Um, yeah. So that was like when everything started really crossing over. Um, and it, it was a Belgian bar in the upstairs of Appalachian called the Abbey Bar. Um, so I got to really get a very good knowledge of like Belgian beer. And that's where I fell in love with Belgian beer. Um, so this is like right after college, um, got to do really cool stuff there. Uh, I also started working at Trogues in their tasting room, um, at the point where they were moving from Harrisburg to Hershey. So I got to help right. see, like be part of the team that helped set up the new space, um, which is really cool. Um, definite learning learning curve, learning opportunity. And Trogues is one of the best places I've ever worked, honestly. Um, the amount of education and like involvement that they have for their tasting room staff into everything. Um, they encouraged us to do the um, beer server cert- uh, certification through Cicerone. Um, we got to shadow brewers. Um, we got to just we had beer classes, we'd have to read, you know, certain things. Um, it was a very knowledgeable staff and that's where a lot of my more formal education started coming from. So, and I actually, um, shadowed a few brewers outside of like what we did just because I was like, this is where I want to go. Eventually I know this, um, teach me everything. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like, like the more that you learn and you surrounded yourself with, you know, very good organizations that again, um, preached like learn more learn more keep learning and you know so you know what I find is like the more I learn the more I want to learn or you know the more I learn the more I realize like what I don't know you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah so you get that that bug you're like holy crap you know so you're like all right now you're now you're liking Belgian beers and you're like well what else is out there you know so yeah or what makes it a Belgian beer like you know so that's super cool that you, you kept following that path have you done any travel to any other countries or anything and, and had beer overseas? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, going two hours away from here, I always find a brewery wherever I go. Um, or uh, one of my favorite trips that I've done um, was 2019 for Philly Beer Week. Um, every year there's a brew day in January for Philly Beer Week that coming year. Um, and this one was kind of a really sentimental one for a couple of reasons. Um, so it was in Belgium. We spent a couple of days in Brussels, got to go to Cantillon, 
Um, and one of our good friends, Colleen, is a brewer there. So we got a private tour of Cantillon. Um, and then we got to brew the beer for Philly Beer Week at Duval, um, nice. which is like, so everybody has the beer that like made them fall in love with beer. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was Duval. It was that Absolutely. Belgian Golden Strong Ale that okay. just like made me say, why does this, it looks like what I'm drinking from Lion's Head, like color wise, yeah. but it's not Lion's Head. Yeah, it's not even close. Why? Like, why, why does it taste this way? Why does it, why is it, I think 9%, <laughs> you know, like right. why, what is, what is this beautiful beer? Um, yeah. And why are you happen? so lovely? Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like full circle try, coming back and getting a chance to like be at the brewery and brew a beer for Philly Beer Week. Uh, and it was with La Cabra, which is really awesome. Yes. I, um, I get I get along very well with JC. Um, and it was just like this beautiful, magical trip. Um, we got to go to Bruges. Uh, we got to go to Ghent, um, spend some time in Antwerp and then also oh, yeah. Amsterdam. Um, so it was, and it was all like, it was a board of Philly loves beer, anybody who could go. So it was all people that have been there before and showed us all like cool places to go along the way. So we hit so many breweries, uh, got to go to Rodenbach, which was like yeah. another brewery that just really sour, you know, uh, it was so good. Um, it was just like uh, this magical trip that it doesn't, it feels like it was yesterday because it's so vivid in my memory, but it was now two years ago, okay. <laughs> two and a half years ago. Um, but the the highlight, one of the highlights of the trip was being in Amsterdam with my very good friend, Ashley. And we go to the oldest tattoo shop in Amsterdam um, called Hanky Panky. Okay. Because why not? Why not? <laughs> um, and we both got matching tattoos and it's the Duval logo with the crown on it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's on my, it's on my arm. Um, nice. And it's just, it was, every time I see it, I just smile because I just remember what a perfect trip that was and it was almost two weeks which is a, the longest vacation that I've taken as an adult <laughs> I <Yeah>. think <laughs> um and it was I was on my own um which was like I I went and I chose to go without my now ex-husband um mm -hmm. which was very hard to do um yeah. as as being in a, a marriage <laughs> but I yeah. decided that I needed to go this was such an important trip um, and I went with my very good friend, Ashley and the board of, uh, Philly loves beer. So it so was cool. very, very life-changing. <laughs> that's, that's it, man. That's what, you know, experiences, right. It's, you know, when I think about things and it's my kid's birthday or something, I'm like, I don't want to give you money that you're going to go do nothing with. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want to give you this, whatever, like I want you to experience something and remember it and learn from it and have it be like a game changer. You know, I really think you know, as I get older and, you know, I never been a person that needed stuff and things, you know, I always yeah. preferred experiences and yeah. memories and yeah. a chance to, as I said, my favorite thing to do is it, I, for food too. Like, what are you eating and what are you drinking? And, you know, let's talk about it and let's hang out. And like, yeah. it's a very social activity and it's such yeah. a, it's my, it's my love language, you know, it's like, <laughs> let's share a beer. But I want share a beer with you that means that i really like you and i want to get to know you you know like let's do this <laughs> so much happens over a beer you know and, and you know true. also coffee but i feel like coffee has a different i don't know i feel like coffee is like are you gonna have this coffee and then you're done after that coffee yeah right? that's the end of our beer, meeting at you know? one, it could be one beer it could be 10 beers like it can't be one beer <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no such thing as one beer are you crazy you always try you always say yeah it's true. <laughs> it's true. I, you know, I said, you know, I'll tell my wife, it's like, you know, I'm not going out for a beer. Like I, now I just, I'm going out for two or three. Yeah. Cause one's not you a thing. You have to just be honest and admit yeah. that that's what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you're very true there. I can't remember last time I had just one beer. No. And then you just get sleepy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> nice. Uh, Chimay was one of those beers, like how you're saying, you know, Duval. Mm -hmm. like, Chimay was like, holy hell, what is this? You know, yeah. how does, how does this happen? You know, it's cool. I mean, Chimay is the reason we have Belgian beer in yeah. the bus. They were the first, like first ones that distributed more widely. Yeah. So they paved the way for everybody else to come, come over. Yeah. Super cool. It's just eye opening, And you're like, holy shit. Like I'm drunk now. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what just happened? <laughs> There's not awesome. quite anything like a, a, you know, 
Belgian beers, honestly, except yeah. for it's funny. Cause like you were talking about like your, your beer journey yeah. and I kind of found Belgian beers and I got stuck in that realm for a long time of like being obsessed with it. Um, and now as a, as a brewer and now working for a malt company, um, I'm really into lagers and like, I feel like yep. that's a, like, that's a very natural progression once you like cross over, <laughs> like, you know, like this is the, you're growing up, <laughs> you know, like I still very yeah. much love, um, Belgian beers, but like, if I'm going anywhere, I, I definitely order a lager first yeah. and then maybe I tend to, you'll know if I ever go out with you, uh, I, I don't order the same thing uh, in a row. Like I, I normally try. I rarely do. Yeah. Unless it's like a game changer. Like shit, I need to have another one of those. Because yeah. there's usually <laughs> another 10 plus on the menu. Like, all right, I got to try this, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I always like, I like trying as much as I can. And also if I had my way, I would only ever drink half pints because that means I could try more things. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> and I also drink really slow. Um, so by the time I'm drinking a lot of things, it's warmer than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, it's only been a few minutes and you've already drank your beer. So I don't want to say you're drinking slow. <laughs> it only started half full. I It's warm out. You're thirsty. It's okay. <laughs> All right, cool. And what are you drinking? You're drinking a beer there from uh, Human Robot. Yeah, so Human Robot, um, anybody who knows me knows my undying passion for Human Robot. Okay. Um, so Philadelphia. It's, it's twofold. Yep, so they're in Philly. Uh, so it's the former St. Benjamin's uh, Brewery Which you uh, in Huntington on Fifth, Fifth Street. So I brewed there for almost three years. Nice. And I got that was my first professional brewing job. Um, I started as an intern and then became part of the brewing team. Um, it was me, Josh and Andrew, Andrew was the head brewer, Josh was the assistant. And then I was a third. Um, so because it was such a small team and we were making so much beer, we all got a chance to do everything, um, which I really, really appreciated. Um, because a lot of times if you start at a bigger brewery, you have to like do a lot of, a couple of years of cellar work before you can even brew anything. Um, but Andrew started training me right away how to brew, you know, started in with me just kind of stepping in at different points of the brew. And then eventually I was brewing on my own. Um, and then I also got a chance to do about four, four or five. I can't remember. I think five recipes of my own. No way. Which again, would never have happened in a, yeah. a big brewery. <laughs> so let's talk about that real quick. If my memory serves yeah. correctly as St. Benjamin, I remember when that brew house was installed and that was a hectoliter system, right? Yeah. So it is a German crew pub system. So it's from Germany. Um, it went to another place in the United States and then came to St. Ben's. Um, so it's 10 hectoliters. Uh, okay. so it's about eight barrels. Okay. Um, if I, if my math is correct, <laughs> it's been a while since I thought about that. Um, but it is a little bit, the barrel size is a little bit less than the hectoliters. Um, but it is a very sexy system, uh, for making lagers because it's actually set up for that. Um, it's set up to do decoction. It's set up to do all of, all of the things that you need to make really good loggers. Um, okay. and every logger that comes out of human robot, except for, I think maybe one or two, um, goes through a decoction process, uh, okay. which is basically boiling part of the mash, um, and then put pumping it back into the mash. So you separate it out, mm. boil it with the, the kernels and everything, the barley and the mat, you know, and then put it back yeah. into, um, at one point that was the way that you would kind of caramelize things and change the color a little okay. bit. Um, now you can actually buy different malts that do that, but it just adds this beautiful, like flavor that you can't quite put your finger on it, but you can taste the difference. Yeah. Um, it's like a, ever so slightly caramel, like toasty, beautiful notes that come out of that process. Interesting. It's a, it's subtle. And if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's something that's easily missed, but any brewers that come in there appreciate that process um, because it adds an hour to two hours of time to the brew. Um, yeah. So it's a, it adds more time to the actual process. And then they're going <laughs> to ferment longer anyway. Yep. Loggers take a, a lot longer uh, to ferment than ales. So it, you know, at one point it was hard for craft breweries to make loggers because you need a temperature control system that actually goes down low enough to ferment that low. Yeah. And then also your tank is taken up for a couple of weeks versus maybe a week or 10 days. And you could probably make two or three beers in the time that you make the one lager. 
So and cash and cash flow is king, right? You got to pay your bills and you got to pay your yeah. employees. And you know, that's, you know, that's what you see, you know, for those folks out there who are wondering why they're seeing like maybe like a white whiskey or something at a distillery is because yeah. you know, those things take time. Yeah. And you know, basically you're spending to, all this money up front and then you have to wait for it to be ready. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's a waiting game. So, <laughs> Um, but it's, it's nice seeing the trend that there's a lot of places that are doing loggers, at least one logger. And then also there's a lot of places that are specializing in it and yeah. doing it really well. Yeah. Awesome. It's just like, I, I love love city too. They're another brewery that I just can't speak highly enough of. Um, they just really have done it right from the beginning. And I love the people that own it. I love their staff. Their staff is very knowledgeable. Um, also fun fact, they kept all of their staff throughout the pandemic. Nice. They just found, um, ways to keep them involved and part of the, part of the brewery. So I really fully 1 million percent respect that. Um, also love city lager. Killer. Amazing. All their beers Absolutely. are great. I ordered, yeah. you know, I ordered, uh, once they started shipping, I ordered a couple cases because I mean, literally their cases were like a fraction of everybody else's and the beer yeah. that showed up on my doorstep was top notch. It's so good. Everything. I also love their, um, their stout, their Sylvie stout. Um, okay. it's funny. I like, I like lagers, saisons and stouts <laughs> and okay. then any, any Belgian beers, <laughs> but yeah, stouts are, are my second, my third passion, I guess. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Love I love it. Cool. So, you know, where we are today, you know, it's 2021, but uh, homebrewed events started in, was it 2013? Yeah. So, um, it started a year after I moved to Philly. Okay. Um, from where? So, uh, from Harrisburg, from Harrisburg. Okay. So I, I moved to state college for, for college. And then my first job out of college brought me to Harrisburg. Um, my first job out of college was not in the beer world, <laughs> even though I was working. Um, at one point I had three jobs. So I don't know how I did that. Um, well, you mentioned but, you, know. you don't sleep. So I guess that would be why. <laughs> I, it's been an ongoing thing <laughs> for, for most of my life. Yeah, because I, I worked for the American Cancer Society right out okay. of college, um, doing events and fundraisers for them. Okay. And then um, I also was working, doing my own thing with my production company called Cherry Darling Productions okay. at the Abbey Bar with Greenbelt Events. And I was working at Trogues in the tasting room. <laughs> So I don't know how I did that, but I did it for Do you a somehow years. have like nine days in your weeks? I try to. <laughs> <laughs> right. It doesn't always work. Um, but yeah, I mean, so when I moved to Philly with my um, now ex-husband, um, we both were in, passionate about beer and we had yep. been brewing together. And some of the, the fun things that we did was... Um, we'd have friends over and we'd brew a beer and we'd watch movies and like talk about beers and drink beer. Um, and we just realized that like most people don't actually know how to brew. Like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a process that you can really easily mess up. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the homebrewed events started out as just in-home brewing classes. Like we'd go to your house, we'd bring all the stuff, brew the beer, and then you get to keep the beer that you brewed. Um, you know, that's, that's why it's called homebrewed events. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, that was, you know, we started probably 2012, like right after we started, we moved. And then, um, 2013, we made it official. Um, okay. both of us were working elsewhere and just doing this part-time on the side. Um, I had moved to Philadelphia as part of the American Cancer Society. Um, I was working in, um, advocacy and legislation reform, which is like, a whole nother branch of things that like random things that I know about now. Um, I helped with like the clean indoor air act and, okay. um, the healthcare reform. Okay. So random, random side note to my history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what I was doing. Um, while I was like doing homebrew events and then I left that job to work for Origlio. Um, and I was working for Origlio until, um, my entire department actually got laid off because uh, that was the time where they bought Bella Vista to turn it into 31st and Wharton. So it was just right. like merging their marketing department with our, you know, like Origlio. Um, But it was, that was the point where I started doing homebrew events full time. And that was 2016, I think. Nice. Um, but yeah, at Origlio, it was, it was a lot of fun. I was in the marketing department. So doing social media, um, writing articles, 
um, you know, general uh, beer education and, and, you know, companionship and fun, like for different brands, for, you know, the sales staff, um, you know, all of that. So it was like, it was a lot of fun while I was there. I was there for about two I'll say that. I never really heard the term like nosh until I spoke to you. I was like, oh. <laughs> you're like, it's like a NASH event. I was like, what the hell does that mean? And, you know, you, you explained it as, as always, you're, you know, you're the educator. <laughs> it's fun. Just a little, little NASH. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a, it was a great experience. And that's when I did the certification, uh, Cicerone certification program. So I helped, um, organize a test for Cicerone at Origlio. So it was for the okay. craft sales team. Um, and then a couple, um, you know, our department and then a few outside industry folks. So I, I'm a certified Cicerone, which means I'm the number level two of the four. Um, but that was a really, that was another like very important part of my beer journey because I learned so much. Um, I studied for it for about eight months to almost a full year to get ready for it. Um, but that really balanced out all of the like independent, um, you know, um, you're good. I can still hear you. I don't know what happened. Okay. It, it, um, balanced out all the independent like research that I had done on my own in a more formalized way. Um, it was like everything that I needed to really take it to the next level with, with what I knew. And, and then, you know, now moving forward into doing more, stuff with homebrew events and, and building yeah. out the, the actual classes and tastings and pairings and stuff. And you do, I mean, you've done, you know, you work with nonprofits, um, local businesses, um, you have, you know, we've done the virtual event, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you've done, I mean, you've, you kind of do, you know, high end events or, you know, they can be very, you know, casual, um, corporate events, weddings. I mean, you're, what are the things that you like to do most, I guess, you know, you're doing a lot of these different styles and what, what fits best. Yeah. Um, so with homebrew events, you know, when I, when I switched over to doing it full time, so I say I'm doing it full time, but I was also brewing almost full time at St. Ben's too. So <laughs> everything's full time. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, yeah, I've never only had one job <laughs> <laughs> even now. Um, but yeah, with homebrew events, I really, you know, I really, I moved away from doing homebrewing classes, um, pretty quickly, um, just because it's, it was, it was like waning in popularity. And then also I realized how much I enjoyed doing the, um, like tastings and pairings classes better. Um, it's, I love food and, and beer together. And I really like showing how the flavors work really well together how beer is one of the best beverages to pair food with. Um, and I just, I also, that meant I can help support more businesses too for my classes. So each class there's three to four beers. So that's three to four breweries that I work with, um, you know, three to four pairings. So that's three to four businesses that I work with for the food. Um, it's just a way that I felt like I was reaching more people and engaging people. Um, and it, it was, it's, it's a lot of fun. I like brewing casually, like with friends, but formal classes, like sit down and talk and educate. I enjoy doing the pairings a lot better. Um, and it was nice, you know, I really didn't know what to do about COVID because everything that I've done was in person. Um, so I switched to doing virtual classes and you were part of one of the ones that I did with the Chester County, um, economic development council. Um, did I get that right? I think so. Um, and it was, uh, just a lot of fun. Um, such a good group and, you know, it was, it was, I mean, we had like 30 plus yeah. people on that call. Yeah. And that's kind of the fun part is like my in-person classes were about 15 to maybe okay. 20 people. And then with zoom, you could have up to 50 people. So I had classes that were 10 people or 50 people. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden this like new, new thing, you know, it was like, yeah. it, it kind of had more flexibility. Um, also in some ways it was easier. In some ways it was harder. Yeah. Um, for a while I was doing classes with love city and people would pick up their packages at love city. Okay. Um, that was really cool. Um, for classes like yours, I actually drove around and dropped stuff off to everybody. You came to my <laughs> house and you put it on my doorstep. And, you know. um, so I added, 
a lot of time to that. But I also like my dad helped and my friend Victor um, okay. who helped with deliveries. <laughs> so I figured out so how cool. to do uh, delivery routes, which I've never done before. Um, there you go. I figured out how to price deliveries because okay. I never had to do that before. Um, <laughs> uh, so all the new skills that you learn when you have to like adapt and change your business during COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you know, as kind of a, uh, rounded out with the, for the listeners, you know, the event that you did, right. You bring, we had to think four, four beverages. Um, yep. the cool part, you know, and, and a lot of the people on this zoom, they've never even heard of mead and you brought upper reaches mead. Um, I was really happy with that. It that was, was a, awesome. And, and that we, was brand new. Yeah, like you we, guys were one of the first people to try it. And we paired it with, you know, uh, we had some cheeses, we had some honeys that were local, um, yep. we paired the stout with some chocolate. Um, yep. we paired, well, we paired, um, some victory. We had two a, chocolates and two cheeses. Yeah. And it was so cool. The, the hardest part about that was when you delivered it, I think the event was a day or two after that and it's <laughs> in my fridge and you know, I'm like, staring at you. <laughs> yeah. I open up the fridge. I'm like, I really want to eat that right now. You know, and I'm like, oh, shit, I can't. I tell my wife, or like, my daughter's like, don't eat that. I need that. <laughs> I had to put that on the on the instructions. Like, don't eat this now. Yeah. My buddy, you know, we had a couple of my friends who, you know, when the invite came out, I was like, you guys got to do this. And then they joined. And then, you know, my buddy was like, wait, was I not supposed to eat that the moment it came to my house? And uh, I was laughing. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, even, you know, even though we were virtual, it was super educational. And I tried not to be a pest, but like to give you layups to like, you know, some of these people, like I was thinking about some questions maybe they weren't asking. I'm like, I think they'll like to know this. I'm going to ask this question. So I was trying not to step on your toes, but I was no, like, it was great. I think they'll like this. It was great. I honestly, my one of my favorite things is like answering people's questions at classes yep. because yep. everybody has those questions that they want to know, but they either don't know how to look it up or, you know, maybe just thought about it in that moment or never really thought about it before. Yep. Um and it's, you know, it's, I feel pretty confident when I can like answer all the questions. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so much fun. I like the, I like small group education is like my favorite thing. Yeah. And, the Q and A was great. Yeah. You know, some of the folks were like, I don't like hoppy beers or the bitter beers. And you're like, okay, well now we can just look for when you go to a brewery and it doesn't mean mm -hmm. you don't, you can't drink beer. Just now you want to look for lower IBUs, right? Yeah. Or some people have like allergies to certain hops or something. It's like, all right, well don't drink those drink these, you know? Yeah. It's, it's fun. And that's why I like, again, I like in that setting, uh, having people share what they're tasting and smelling and also classes like that will let you try things that you've never tried before. Yep. You know, so it's like without like here, committing to a case or, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? You're paying for your the class and it's an all inclusive experience. Yeah. And it, these are beers and things that I enjoy drinking and eating together. And I want you guys to try it. And it might not be something that you would ever have ordered. But like the mead, I think you, Eric and Lisa all like went out and bought some more of it. So like it's a good marketing yeah. opportunity for local breweries and breweries and like cheesemakers and chocolate makers to get in front of a bunch of different people because I always include who it is and what it's from. Um, and then it's also good for like anybody who comes to try things that they might not normally order yeah. with, it's like a low risk, you know, absolutely. It's a kind uh, of a toe in the water <laughs> approach, right? It's, it's, yeah. you don't have to commit to buying a full case. If you don't like it, you get to try it and see, see what it is. You know, a lot of people are like, what the heck is mead? You know, they're like, I'm just not going to buy it. But if you can have it in this situation, they're like, wow, this is amazing. Or, you know, Hey, I like to drink this. I like to drink a dirty martini. What beer should I have? Like, you know, they want to be able to, they want to, you know, it could be intimidating. So, you know, we yeah. can sit and have that conversation. And our thing was only supposed to be like an hour. We went three hours or something. Yeah. Crazy. You guys were probably <laughs> my favorite group. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Listeners. I've never, that's the longest that I've ever gone like over time. Yeah. Um, but it was because we were having good conversation about what yeah. we were eating and drinking and like, um, beer in general. Um, yeah. and it's, it's nice. Like the whole point of doing the classes originally was like the tasting side of things was to have people be able to order what they want in an educated way. So like, if you don't know what you don't like, or if you don't know what you do like, you can't order a beer and you're not going to have a good experience. Yep. You know, this is, and this is back from when I worked at Trogues. Like we, 
they would teach us how to like figure out what people wanted to drink. So how to ask questions and like figure out people's taste preferences, um, finding what people like flavors, what people like and what they don't like. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all, it's all important to your overall experience at a, at a place. So educated, um, consumers are powerful I agree. <laughs> because then they don't leave stupid untapped and Yelp reviews <laughs> for yeah. ordering something that they don't like. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. They're like, this beer is a 0.5 because I don't like this style. And they're like, well, then why'd you order it? And then exactly. why'd you, why'd you rate it? That's not the brewery's fault. <laughs> yeah. If it's made to the style, you know, and if it's carbonated and has a you know a head on it, then it at least deserves a three because it's a beer. Right. Like, don't be an idiot. Uh, Man. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> What's next? Uh you have any upcoming events that are notable, you know? Yeah, so um with homebrewed events, uh I just we just got done Philly Beer Week, so yep. that's really cool. How was um, that? What did um and I think I was talking to Jason Macias and he was saying maybe you guys were you involved with like the hop selection or something like that? Um, so yeah, he was at one of my events. Um, so I'm doing something called celebration of fermentation, um, which is a farmer's market for all, um, fermented products. So food and beverage. Um, it's the second Saturday of every month at historic Rittenhouse town, which is in the Wissahickon, like on the way to Germantown, right off of Lincoln drive. Um, we have local breweries, we have a, um, local wine, we have, uh, pickle maker, cheese maker, coffee. Mm. I basically realized that all of my favorite things are fermented for the most part. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, kimchi. so it's all, yeah. Kimchi. Amazing. Um, so it's there. All very then, good for your gut health. Exactly. It's, it's all about yeast and fermentation process. That's it, um, man. so Jason was at the one we're doing quarterly at, uh, Cherry Street Pier in yep. Philly. Um, so Jason was at that one on that Friday, June 11th, um, and he brought a bunch of his hops for people to come and smell and taste—not taste, but smell and like rub, uh, yep. do the. Um, and it was really cool. We had a lot of uh, industry people come through and check it out. Um, and then he's also started a project uh, with Lucky Cat, so they had uh, the Lucky Cat beers there as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to trying some Lucky Cat. I love like the labels and the artwork. That's really neat. It's really cute um and and him and scotes are two icons in the beer world um you know scotes with gray lodge and then uh, jason has been all all different parts of the beer world he's he reminds me a lot of me and i think that's why we get we get along with each other i agree so it's funny so his podcast <laughs> when your podcast airs his podcast will be the one right before this so you guys kind of <laughs> pair up and you know I, with within that group you have you know jeremy who you already mentioned and you know yep so there's a oh i love that I, yeah. it's funny. Cause like Jeremy obviously is one of my first beer friends in the, in the industry. Um, again, we met through music and then Jason, him and I just, we met through Philly loves beer and we both started the education committee for Philly loves beer. And then we realized that like, we have the same passions, we have the same interests, we have the same drive and he's kind of worked in all different parts of the industry, just like I have. Um, so we were like the bestest of friends. I, yeah. I love that man so much. <laughs> He's super smart too. I was meeting yeah. with him one time and we we're having a conversation, you know, we're at Neshaminy Creek Brewing and he goes, stop, hold on. And you know, they're, they're brewing as they brew 24 hours a day. And yeah. he goes, I was like, what the hell are you listening to? You know, he's like, when things are running well, there is a certain kind of hum. And right now that hum is off. And he shouted like six words to someone and they fixed it. And it was back to the hum. He was like, okay, we're good. I was like, holy shit. Like, Whoa. what just, like you just Jedi Whoa. mind trick the brew system. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was the coolest so thing I've ever heard. so good at what he does. <laughs> yeah. So he's over setting up a brewery in, I think, Germany uh, right now. Uh, he's helping is. consult. Yeah. 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 Jeremy is. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. They're both wonderful humans. Jason oh, yeah. and Jeremy. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> We were talking about uh, Lucky Cat and such. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, the other event I did for Philly Beer Week was uh, Log Jam and Lager Fest uh, with Human Robot. Um, so Homebrew Events helped coordinate that with them. Um, the Human, Ro- Human Robot guys were in charge of the invite list. Um, we had all amazing lager breweries from all over the East Coast um, and then a bunch of local guys as well. Um, and we're working on potentially an Oktoberfest uh, with Human Robot. 
um, Very nice. TBD on date and location, but um, looking at early September, like beginning of, of October fest. So early, early ish, mid September. Um, and then uh, cider fest with the Paramount park conservancy is coming back this year as well. Um, that'll be in October. Okay. With my, just, my Philly park. I just talked to somebody who was like, if you hear about an October fest coming up, let me know. Yep. Human robot. It'll be in Philly. All right. Nice. Okay. Good to know. Will <laughs> yeah. it be in October? Or will it be in September? Like the real Oktoberfest? So it's, it's, we're trying to get it opening weekend of Oktoberfest. So potentially September 18th. Sweet. Okay. We should know within the next couple of weeks and we'll make an announcement soon. Isn't that very misleading, right? It's like Oktoberfest is actually in September and the it brewery is. <laughs> is not a brewery. Um, so do you know why the first Oktoberfest happened? I do not. Um, it was actually a wedding. King Ludwig the first, he got married. Um, they had like a fall harvest and then they had it every year and then it slowly got bigger and bigger. And then they started brewing beers for it and it became what it is now, but it was originally a wedding. (laughs) In October or was it September? The date? I'm not sure. I think it was, I think at one point it was in October, but it's because it became a festival and became like a harvest festival. It's like, stretch <laughs> nice cool yeah, i'm not sure what the original date <laughs> i learned something else all right all right cool all right so i i have some other some other items here that i've learned about you i was wondering all if right. i can ask you a few questions um you are a certified patron specialist or where <laughs> what's that yeah, all about um, so i Tequila. Three, three years ago, I joined uh, um, an organization called the United States Bartenders Guild, USBG. And it's meant for, it's, it's not, it, the name is misleading because it is a lot of bartenders, but it's anybody in the beer, spirits, food industry. Um, and through that, you get connected to a lot of spirits brands and there's a lot of education involved and a lot of like meetups. And um, it's an international organization um, and they have really good partners, um, mm. like Patron, um, and every year they sponsor trips to the distilleries. Um, and I got to, I got to be at and learn, uh, and get certified at Patron, um, nice. in 2019, 2019 was a great freaking year. Um, I got to go <laughs> to Patron. Um, I got to go to Casa Noble in, um, uh, Mexico as well. Um, I got to go to Kettle One (laughs) in Holland. Um, And this was all through the United States Bartenders Guild. Um, Oh, oh, and I got to go to Wild Turkey, (laughs) which is amazing. Um, This was all 2019, and it was all through the U.S. Bartenders Guild. And um, it was all educational, informational. You got to meet the family. Like, we had dinner at um, the owner's house for Kettle One. Like, his house. Like, cheese. Okay. I mean, it was a big house. I will say it's a very I big bet. house. Um, but still like that's a memory and an experience that I will never, ever forget. Wow. Um, and it's like, you get to understand it's meant to like showcase the brand and to understand the brands better. Um, but Patron was the only one that was actually offered a certification program along with the trip. So I was like, of course I want to be a tequila specialist. Heck yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> Um, and I actually fell in love with tequila, um, between those two trips because I realized I was drinking very bad tequila. Um, and agave is roasted and, um, caramelized in a similar way to barley. And mm-hmm. a lot of those flavors come through in a similar way. So, um, agave and barley are similar in what they do for the spirits mm. and you know, for the, for the outcome. Define, um, bad tequila. Cheap. There's it's cheap for a reason. <laughs> what brand? What brand should we stay away from? I don't even know, but I really like only, I I really only drink Patron, Espolone, and Casanoble anymore. Espolone, um, my jam. There's, there's a lot of good tequila out there, and honestly, there are brands that I don't even know that are really good tequila. Um, but go to like bars that specialize in it, and just talk to the bartenders. And yeah. it will change your whole perception on tequila. No way. Okay. Like I'm for real. I'm in on that. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> I love tequila so much. And I also realized that like, 
I've always loved whiskey and whiskey is whiskey and bourbon are very tied to beer because they share a lot of flavor profiles. Yep. But if you start getting into the uh, barrel aged tequilas, um, the uh, Añejo and the Resposado, mm-hmm. um, they share characteristics to whiskey. So it's like, it's like sure. a, you draw a straight line. I like brown. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. All my, all my, all my favorite uh, beverages are brownish in color. <laughs> draw a straight, straight line. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, I do like, I do like, I guess the Hoven, right. Would be the, uh, the non-aged tequilas. Clear. And, yeah. And Blanca. Yeah. Yeah. Hoven and Blanca. <laughs> cool. Um, you have a history of horseback riding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I've been riding horses since I was five. Okay. Um, I got into horses uh, through my mom. Um, she, you know, had been riding horses for a long time and she had a horse while I was growing up. So I just fell in love with it. Um, at one point I thought that that was the direction that I wanted to go professionally. Um, but it's very, it's a very hard industry to get into. Um, and it's very, uh, hard and demanding industry to stay in. Um, and, or, you need a lot of money to like really compete and make it. Um, so it was like, that's like a whole lifestyle. Yeah. It's, it's, you couldn't have your nine other jobs and still do that. No, no, that's a full time. (laughs) That would have been, it would have been only that. Um, and I really, I was seriously competing up until I graduated college at, uh, and beyond. So up until I competed through young rider, which was like the top level. Um, and then that's 21 and under. So I competed up till then. And then I got burnt out, um, because I, I basically dedicated every ounce of everything into it. Um, realized that I could only go so far cause I didn't have enough money to go further. <laughs> um, yeah. got really frustrated and now I just ride for fun. <laughs> awesome. Um, but I'm still riding. Um, and actually I was very thankful, um, cause quarantine and COVID, you know, there was a lot of negatives that came with that, but one of the things that was positive was that it actually forced me to slow down for the first time in my adult life. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, probably child, maybe ever in my life, I literally had nothing that I could do for work. Um, because I, have always been passionate about what I do. So I love working. Yeah. Um, anyone who knows me knows me as that. Um, so this was the first time that I just couldn't do work. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. So I ended up riding five days a week and working at the farm, um, helping her with marketing, some business strategy, um, you know, riding three to four horses a day. Like I went in full tilt for the first time in a very long time and it felt really good, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I actually had the free time to do that. Um, I do in some ways miss that simple life of just getting up and riding four or five horses and then calling it a day. Um, but you know, that's, that's what I picture my retirement being. Okay. Nice. (laughs) Such a cool relationship that the rider has with a horse too. You know, you can't just. Horses are just the most magical creatures in the world. And they just, and it's, it's really funny what you pick up from that because you're basically communicating with an animal through body language and shoes and you can't, you don't speak the same language. So you have to figure out you, I feel like I picked up uh, a lot of empathy and um, like reading people through riding because you have to like, you can tell when the horse is upset without the horse, like saying anything or doing anything. Um, So like you get a, like you feel, I feel things, I feel emotions and I feel Mm. things very deeply. And I feel like that comes from my growing up with horses. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Nice. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> a little deep philosophy thing. <laughs> I like it. Maybe. Or just bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> now it's there's definitely a special bond. Have you ever ridden a unicorn? <laughs> I wish unicorns were real. <laughs> they are in my heart. <laughs> nice. In my daughter's heart as well. Hearts. Um, I would a Pegasus. I would like a Pegasus, please. Okay. <laughs> Some wings on that, some wings yep. on that horse. All right. That's perfect. We can go places and go. Yeah, I'm in. I like it. <laughs> See you flying through the, the clouds. Uh, who is Penny Dreadful? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dreadful. Oh, man. So if I ever decide to change careers, I think I could make it as an arm wrestler. Okay. Um, so for Philly Loves Beer, um, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> 
it was a fun, it was a fundraiser for um, the Pink Boots and Philly Loves Beer. Um, and it was women in the beer industry arm wrestling. Yep. Um, and it was at a really cool motorcycle, vintage motorcycle shop. Um, everybody had to come up with their character name um, and everybody got dressed up and you represented your brewery. Um, oh my God, what was that show from? I was like obsessed with the show that Penny Dreadful was it called Penny Dreadful? I just looked it up. It is called Penny Dreadful. Okay. It was a series on but Showtime. I thought that was perfect. And it was, um, I worked for St. Ben's. So Penny, Penny Saved, Penny Earns, Penny Dreadful, St. Yeah. Ben's, St. Benjamin's. Look at you. Um, You're a philosophizer. Well done. <laughs> it, it made sense to me. I like <laughs> I had, it. Like, I had big, I had the like, um, uh, big earrings with the big, um, like the smushed penny. Yeah. Um, I dressed in all black. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I, sorry, my phone is slowly not working. Um, but I came in second. Nice. Um, so out of a, I think a field of 15. Holy moly. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It was the weirdest, craziest, fun thing I've ever done. Um, and like, I uh, it was so much fun. <laughs> I, uh, so I know that the girls up like Lee Lord and, um, Brian Allen, they do all that up in the Boston area too. Yep. Y'all are it's, wild. I mean, it's perfect. It's, it's fun. It's meant to be silly and fun and, and stupid and perfect. And it, it brought us all together. And it was, I, I made a lot of really good close friends out of that too. Um, that's how I originally met JC from La Cabra. Nice. Um, yeah. She's awesome. Did she arm wrestle? Yeah. I think she did. Yeah. Okay. I never, and, um, there was one like girl Aaron from Wallace Monday. did everybody. What was that? Aaron Wallace that she, uh, yeah, Aaron was in, nice. um, Aaron, um, uh, Joanna, uh, Sam Seltzer and Sam Seltzer tore ACL jumping off of the stage that day. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so, um, it wasn't an arm injury that happened. It was a knee injury. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> it's way worse. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> and like funny. we had coaches and they were like shit talking each other and it was just yeah, it was perfect. Um and uh the one of the two entries from Sly Fox was the winner for this one. Okay. Um Gabrielle. Yeah, she just like she was this like t- tiny little thing and Beast she would mode. just go and just like whack every time. Just it wasn't even a hesitation. I didn't even have a chance. <laughs> and she did that for everybody. <laughs> She's yeah. just like, Wah. you're like, okay, you win. Like, there's no art. There wasn't like a back and forth. Like, oh, dang. Yeah. Nope. She just like kicked my ass. I'm like, yep, truly, you win. I get hey. it. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> awesome. I thought about you yesterday. Um, you know, doing some studying for this here. Uh, you know, I pulled up to a stop sign yesterday, and my phone was on shuffle, and uh, Jimmy Jazz from the Clash came on, and I thought oh. about you. So much. Yeah. <laughs> London calling um, is terrific. It's it's funny because like I I was always driven to music because it was like so I, I lost my mom when I was a teenager to cancer. Um that's the reason I joined the American Cancer Society and that's kind of shaped my adult future. Um but from that I really found a passion and like an outlet and like community with music. And it was just like this beautiful, loving um you know, world that I found and it was actually like in the punk scene. Um, and like, you know, fell in love with green day and then just like beer, I'm like, Ooh, green day. Well, who are the, who influenced yeah. green day? And then like kind of tracked my way back to the clash. And then I think I was this like teenager, like listening to the clash. I'm like, these guys are amazing. I wish that I was born in this. Like, I wish I could have yeah. seen them in the seventies. Yep. I miss them. Like I would have like done anything to see them. Um, and Joe Strummer is just like one of the best, oh, yeah. he was one of the best humans. Um, he was very musically talented. Um, you know, everything that he went on to do with the Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros, um, which I actually got to see perform, oh, yeah. which like makes me so happy. I never got to see the clash obviously, yeah. but I got to see Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. So it's just like this hero that I had, I got to see, uh, before he passed away. Um, and it's just like, I, it's funny because like 2020 was a really rough year for a lot of reasons for me, you know, between not being able to work and then going through a separation and a divorce. Um, I kind of went back to my 
my first love. So I went back to horses. I went back to music and found a lot of comfort in both. And I also realized that I wasn't making time in my life for both of them. Mm. Um, and I'm never doing that again. <laughs> it's yeah. always going to be very front and center in my life because these things bring me joy and happiness. Um, life's too short and, to not have joy and happiness. Yep. So never, never again will I be without music and horses. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I, I, I've never been like, so many people are like, Hey, did you see this movie? I'm like, no, did you see this show? No. But I've heard like every artist or every album, like that's it's always awesome. been, always been my deal ever since just growing up um, was just music, you know, all kinds of music. Um, oh, something I, we didn't talk about this before and it hasn't really been announced, but I'm starting a podcast because why not? Nice. Um, why not? Um, With all your extra time. Yeah. I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> I already recorded four episodes, but haven't been released yet. Um, so it's music and uh, music and booze. Nice. So it's called Curious Drinkers Club. Um, nice. And okay. it's going to be talking about your top 13 songs yeah. while drinking your favorite drinks. Okay. Do, do I, do these <laughs> songs have to have been in the past while I was drinking or I'm going to be drinking now while talking about those songs? So... You get to pick any songs that mean something to you. So you're like okay. top songs. Okay. Um, and you can relate the drinks to the music or it could just be your favorite and favorite. There's so many times it's like you hear a song, you're like, I remember where I was when I heard this song, you know, exactly. I was at this, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Music is such a powerful thing um, that it brings back memories. It, for me, sometimes beers do too, like especially like beers that I drank at a certain time, yeah. doing a certain thing. Um, it's, it's very nostalgic and it's very powerful. I think because it taps into multiple senses and when you have multiple senses involved, um, you tend to remember more. Yep, exactly. Yeah. All up in that brain. Awesome. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I'm excited. So where, so what I would recommend is when I was, when I was going to start my podcast, um, they say that like the death of a podcast is eight episodes. Okay. So I recommend recording eight to 10 and then start to drop them out there. So you're already over the hump before you started. Yeah. It's again, it's just, 90, I don't have any, like, <laughs> I don't, that's <laughs> well done. Well done. Thank you, um, thank you. you know, I have no grand aspirations for it being anything crazy, but I just, you know, you meet somebody or you know somebody and you're like, I really want to know what they listen to and I really want to know what they drink. <laughs> I and love that's it. like me kind of like getting to know my friends better and then eventually um, other people. So awesome. I think it'll be fun. And it Very goes in cool. with what I, what I love. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us know, you know, we'll, we'll help to promote it and I want to listen. So hell yeah. We're going to record a couple more episodes and trying to work on the intro and outro and all the background stuff. Do you have a co-host or, or is this solo or what? Um, so I'm working with Dan Baker from Beer Busters podcast. Nice. Um, awesome. So he's doing the recording and editing, and he's also co-host. Perfect. He's he's a he's a badass, and he's awesome, and he's very good at what he does. Um, he has a lot of history in radio, um, a lot of history in podcasts, a lot of history in audio engineering. Um, he's wonderful to work with, and very very talented. Super cool. Yeah, it's cool to yeah. see. You know, the, like Beer Busters, obviously fairly big, and. You know, everybody's just willing to help each other, right? Just like, I, hand, like I love yeah, it. We're in. It's such know. an amazing community. Um, you know, him and I met because he interviewed me twice for the podcast. Nice. Um, once with St. Ben's and then once with Homebrew Events. Um, okay. And, you know, we just kind of kept in touch. And we actually, he was one of the, there were a few people that I saw during quarantine um, that were outside of my household. Um, yeah. It was him, um, Corey McDonald from Second Story, who we're brewing a beer with right I was now. Say, this is all perfect. <laughs> you know, we're talking about collaborations and, and you're yeah. at Second Story right now brewing with Corey. Yeah. So it's all, all coming full circle. Yep. <laughs> what are you brewing? Um, so we, so I took a job the last two months with Deer Creek Malt House. Um, it wasn't that I was looking for a job necessarily at the time, but Mark approached me about it and it was tailor-made for me I got to help like write the job description like it was everything that I love to do yep. you know it's talking about malts it's brewing beer mm -hmm. working with friends in the beer industry doing education and then events as well um so I'm very much excited to be part of it and, and do it and part of what I get to do is come to or organize or help 
write recipes for collaboration beers. Nice. And today we're brewing a beer at Second Story uh, with Punch Buggy. Um, nice. And we're using uh, Deer Creek malts as okay. well as uh, we, we're using the wheat. And then we're using uh, the Philly sour yeast from U Sciences. Okay. So Dan Nooner from U uh, Sciences is here as well. It all comes full circle. I mean, everything's tied in. Everybody knows each other. It's such a small world and such a great little uh, community. I really do love the beer world for that because, you know, all of these people... Actually, fun fact, Corey was my first beer friend in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, oh, oh, 10 years ago. What is a, uh, what is a beer in, friend? Um, so we met through beer, What do beer friends do? <laughs> we brew beer together. Um, oh, okay. And we drink beer together. Um, so we, we met through a homebrew club and became friends and like he was not brewing professionally at that time and he had gone on to open blueprints and Mm -hmm. now he professionally brews at second story Mm -hmm. um as well as a bunch of other jobs he's had in the industry and like i went on to professionally brew and own my own business so like we started out just being homebrewers with big dreams and we both kind of like reached those dreams in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And it's like really cool. And we're still nice. friends and like, we still get together. Um, as I said, him and Dan Baker were like the two people that I saw like through quarantine. Um, you know, we would get drinks, you know, every couple of weeks yeah. and just catch up and be like, how are you doing, man? It's just really nice to see other people. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Corey's the man. Love him. Uh, Mark Brawl over at Deer Creek Malt. That rhymes. I mean, it just makes sense for <laughs> your last name to rhyme with Malt and Brawl. You got to be in the industry, you know. He's like yeah. fully, fully into all of it. He's so good yeah. at what he does. Um, Mark is a very, very talented individual. Um, has a ton of farming background, yep. chemistry, science backgrounds. Um, he built and like modified all the equipment used at the Malt House. Yep. Um, Smells so very, good very in there. Passionate. It really just, I love it so much. Like, everybody goes gaga over hops, but I've always been all about the malts. So it's just like getting a chance to see how it's made to help with, um, turns at the malt house to, uh, bring people and show people the process. Like it's so cool. Yep. It's so cool. Yep. Deer Creek is amazing. Um, very, very small, but very, very mighty. Um, yeah. and it was the first, um, malt house to open after prohibition. Yep. Yeah. They're awesome. That's, uh, just some good people. Pennsylvania is such a, you know, and we're only talking about Philadelphia. You know what I mean? There's, there's so many great breweries and so many great people in the industry and, and Pennsylvania is a big state. So, you know, continue really. to grow. And, and it's one of the biggest, yeah. one of the biggest brewing states. <laughs> yeah. It helps that we have Yingling and Sam Adams though, too, you know. Very true. <laughs> they have <laughs> <good> volume. <laughs> Correct. Cool. All right. So where can we find more about homebrewed events? Um, so two ways, um, website, homebrewedevents.com. Okay. And then you can follow me on social media, um, homebrewed events. And then my personal one is cherry darling at go, go. Okay. <laughs> Another one. This is, uh, um, <laughs> I'm so nerdy. Um, so I fell in love with the movie. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, shit. What's it called? It's death proof and. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Fuck. I should know this. Death Proof is a movie. Planet Terror? Planet Terror. The other, the one that was released with... I know it's Death Proof is a movie by itself. Um, Grindhouse? Yeah, the grind, it was a Grindhouse series. Was it okay. Planet Terror? The other one? Yes, okay. it was. So Cherry Darling is the main character of Planet Terror... Okay. And she's a go-go, she's a go-go dancer um, who okay. fights uh, the zombie outbreak that happens um, with one leg and a, chain, a machine gun on her, on her leg. So okay. badass chick. So I was like, I'm naming my <laughs> company after this badass chick from Quentin Tarantino's movie. Um, so Cherry Darling Productions was born. Um, uh, you know, going through the divorce and going through like yeah. all of this stuff last year, I changed my Instagram handle to Cherry Darling at Go-Go gotcha. because... She was a go-go dancer yeah. and whiskey a go-go yep, was yep, one of my yep. favorite um, music venues. <laughs> oh, well, I'm such a big Doors fan and they, you know, they love that place. Exactly. <laughs> so Cherry Darling, a go-go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Super cool. I'm a nerd and That's I love all. it. <laughs> we are all nerds. 
Awesome. Well, Meredith, this was a lot of fun and a lot of laughs. And I'm very excited that we finally got to uh, sit down and do this. So I appreciate Me it. Me too. Thanks for being patient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey. we well worth the wait. The, the class, I think, in March and that, or February, March. And then we connected yeah. in like April. And I was like, I'm just starting this new job and I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, it's busy. I mean, I have like, two full-time jobs again because it's also the same time that like events started happening again which yeah, yeah. I was like so thankful for but it went from nothing to woo <laughs> here we go uh, yeah. that's even you know it's just like our you know uh girls are playing lacrosse and then it's like all right we're going to in-laws house okay now we're going to this place oh now we got four weddings oh we're going to chicago oh i'm going to nashville oh we're going to chicago again oh we got you know it's like holy yep. shit like i'm already booked out through december it's like don't even talk to me i'm um, yeah, this whole year. <laughs> so I'm only free like during the weekdays, so <laughs> that's when we will drink beer together. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Meredith, thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Right, that'll do it for today's episode. Appreciate you tuning in. I hope you learned something. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if so, tell a friend, leave that five-star rating I mentioned earlier, and comment on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on any platform. Spread it around the world. Let's make it happen. I appreciate y'all. Cheers. And beer mighty things.